I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Shop Volume. I'm Nick Ashbourne with Anthony Petrielli. And in November, it's rare for us to get to talk fire sales. Teams are normally making those decisions a little further into the season, close to the deadline is when we're talking big blockbuster trades. But the Calgary Flames look like a little bit of an exception. We knew coming into the year they had all these important guys who are coming up to the end of their contracts. We're talking about Zadorov, Tanev, Hannafin, Lindholm, who didn't have contracts. But the team was looking to compete. It's been an ugly start. Zadorov has already asked for a trade. Anthony, do you think we could see some earlier movement from Calgary than you normally get from teams in their position? I don't know if we'll see earlier, but I mean, they're they're primed for a fire sale and you could argue it kind of started in the summer. I mean, it probably started like a year ago, if we're being honest, but it started when they traded Tyler to Foley, right? Like they didn't need to trade him if they were trying to be competitive this year, like truly, truly trying to be competitive this year, keeping to Foley not trading for Igor Shergonovich and a third round pick. Like they became an instantly worse team. Lo and behold, Toffoli's having a really good start to the season as one would expect, because he's a really good player with the devils. Like if anything, I would, I would turn around and ask, like, do you have confidence that Craig Conroy can make the right moves here? Because I, that, that trade already looks terrible to me. I thought it was bad the second they made it. And just the more kind of, you know, he has Sharon Gon- Sharon Gonovich is like 25. He has a year left on his contract before hitting unrestricted free agency. And a third is is minimal value. Like I I don't see the logic in that trade. And now he's gonna have to turn around and trade a bunch of other guys too. Yeah, I mean, Conroy tried to walk this middle path, right? Where it's like, I want to trade my guy because I don't think I'm gonna resign him, but I want someone who will give me present value. And then I think he's got multiple two years still not a and that's a contract they signed he was a restricted free agent at the time so it's still not an incredible amount of future value but as a little bit and that's usually not the way to go right like the way to go is normally to say we are playing for the future i'm gonna trade my player for future assets but because they're coming off this weird season where all these numbers would tell you that they were really good at controlling the play and if they just got some goaltending and they just got some finishing that they could have been right in the playoff mix I think he felt empowered to believe that this was a team that was ready to compete. And then they come out at the beginning this year and it's the same story, right? It's the exact same thing where they're kind of holding their own, but the goaltending isn't there and they can't finish. And so now, like you said, do you have faith in him to make these trades? I don't know. Like he is, I think kind of has to make them. And even when he was hired as GM, like he referred to the situation they had before with Gaudreau where they let him go for nothing. And he basically said like, under my watch, like this kind of things just not going to happen because it's a terrible asset management thing and that's totally true and now he's sitting on like four really interesting players in terms of like the the rest of the league perspective 
these are four guys who could really help a contending team. Like Elias Lindholm, you're talking about a guy who can be a first-line center or a second-line center on a really, really good team. All three of these defensemen would help basically any defense core in the NHL. So it it is an opportunity for Conroy to show us what he what he's got. He really hasn't, you know, he hasn't been great right out of the bat, but like we're very early in his tenure. We'll see what happens. But there's not a lot of times as a GM you get to show what you've got so early, I guess. When he says it like that too, you know, he came out right away. And I get why he did it. The the market is tense because of, you know, how everything played out with Gaudreau and Kachuk and it is it is unacceptable to lose Gaudreau for nothing for free, but like you can't do that. Especially you know they they won one round that that prior playoffs. So I get why they went all in that year. He should have. They were a really good team. Markstrom, just I don't know what's happened to him in that that second round series against Edmonton and and ever since then. But he hasn't really been the same. But so I get why Conroy said it, but he shouldn't have said it. Like now he's put. Now he's put himself on the spotlight and on the clock and everyone's going to sit there and say, well, you better sign these guys. Cause if you don't like we're waiting for the trade, like you've put a little bit extra pressure on it where it didn't need to have that pressure. And now because the Toffoli trade is kind of just unraveled the way that it has. And I think it's going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get better that trade. Like now it's going to turn to even more, not only get to trade these guys, but you have to get a really good return. And we look at someone like Nikita Zadorov, who I like. Like he's a solid defenseman, but but realistically, he's a five, maybe a four. Like they're not playing him that much. Like I think that part's kind of getting lost in the trade request. It's in part because he's not playing that much, and but like that was referenced in the request. Like he doesn't agree with his role. He's probably like, why am I playing borderline third pairing minutes on this not very good hockey team? And what do those kinds of defensemen get you? Like Luke Shen last year went for a third round pick. I think Zadorov is a little bit better than Shen. Like he's definitely way better offensively. He doesn't have, you know, as long of a career or even like the Stanley Cup playoff experience. But all in all, you know, those defensemen are not going for as much as I think people are hoping that they would. I think the thing that Conroy's got going for him is that in this you know, it's a pretty capped out NHL right now. The vast majority of teams yeah. who are contending don't have a lot of money to play with. These guys he has to trade are all relatively affordable. Like each of these contracts is under $5 million. You can retain half of that. So you're looking at guys that a lot of teams aren't able to necessarily fit in this second, but there's a contract on their books. There's some kind of flip you can make where they slot in. And because of that, I think the market for these players is going to be pretty robust. Like Zadorov, as you mentioned, maybe he is more of a four or five, 10 of as reliable as they come on a right side, which is pretty rare. Hannafin is the sort of guy who could run a really good second pair. Like these are the type of players where he doesn't have the leverage in the sense that people kind of know that he has to trade these players. But at the same time, when there are enough people in the market, when there are enough teams that are interested, that kind of leverage isn't as important because he can play the teams off each other. This is again, this is not me saying I'm 100% confident he's going to get a, a great deal here, yeah. but because of what we've seen with Toffoli, but the environment isn't necessarily as bad as maybe it looks 
when you take that initial fact of like, oh, he kind of has to trade these guys. When we hear that, we assume he's not going to get a good deal. And But I think that because these players are fittable and because they're the type of players a lot of teams could use, he can play suitors off each other. He feasibly has the best three defensemen available on the trade market. Like we'll often see general managers or teams say, we have to wait for this you know, player X to get traded to set the market. Like Craig Conroy is the market on defense, you know, like, like you're right. And if he plays his cards, right, he could come out of it looking like really pretty, like they're going to have to rebuild and they're going to have to figure out a number of the long-term contracts that they have on the books and so on and so forth. And, you know, Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto get flagged, but even guys like Blake Coleman, like, you know, these aren't guys. It's who... not a good scene. Like, it's yeah. not a great seat to be yeah. in uh, other than these trades that you can possibly make. But it, yeah, I mean, the long-term guys to build around is, it's dicey. That's for sure. You know, I think by and large, though, when, when you come down to it is, is like, they need this. They need to do this. They need to hit here. Like, like this isn't, there's talk about Noah Hannafin and, and working towards the contract extension and throwing out Devin Taves like numbers. And maybe he's the only guy where you could sit there and say he's young enough that if you keep him, like we could be good three years from now. I don't know if that's necessarily worth signing him to a seven or eight year deal to hope that you're good on the second half of that contract. I would personally say no, but like this is a chance for them to kind of like they're positioned well to, I don't want to say clean the slate, but kind of have a fresh start here. Cause it just, it just, it looks like a stale team. Like it just looks, you know, like, like everybody's miserable there. There's been some discussion recently about changing the three on three overtime format, not in a serious way, more changing the rules within it, kind of preventing teams from bringing the puck back after they gain the offensive zone shot clock different solutions are being tabled this is not something that's going to happen in the immediate term but it was interesting to me to hear this because i don't know about you anthony i was a little bit surprised this came out of the blue a bit because a lot of the complaints you hear are about the shootout not about the overtime itself i'm curious to see where you are with it because we didn't discuss this before we went on and i'm curious to see if we agree on it and so i'm not going to tip my hat as to where i am but what's your thought on tweaking some of the rules about three on three so my main feeling on this is that the media is the most annoying thing of all time. Like, I don't know if I get to consider myself media. I, I generally don't, but you know, I, old enough to remember decades ago when media was whining about no salary cap in the league and the lack of parity and throwing up, you know, Detroit and Toronto's salary cap structure compared to the bottom feeder teams in the league and how it was unfair like I can by and large confidently say the salary cap is terrible, terrible for the game. I would way rather. This see is a, this is a fair point. Out. This is not where I expected you to go with this question, but absolutely Matt Duchesne, fair. I agree. Matt Duchesne scores one goal. That's like four feet offside media. Again, whines. We need reviews. Reviews are terrible. Like I can't, there's nothing worse than you're watching a game. And you're like, Oh my God, they're going to go back like a minute. And we're going to go like, Zapruder film this offside play to see if it's a goal or not like totally against the spirit of the rule but you can't blame teams for playing within the confines that the league is setting up uh we see it with physicality you know at, you know every time there's a hit or something and it's everything breaks loose but by and large fans like hits I'm not arguing you know for 
head trauma or anything dirty, but we still want to keep physicality in the game. And you often see that. And now it's three on three overtime, which again, there was a time where the media was arguing for the shootout. Like the media wanted the shootout originally. And then the shootout happened. It was like, this is maybe a dumb way for games to end. So then they went with three on three overtime, which cut down the percentage of games going to a shootout in like under half, like 20% of games, something or other were going and ending in a shootout that went to overtime. And now that number is like 8%, like teams average like six shootout games a season, something along those lines. So I just think, you know, it's always something, you know, we've heard bigger net arguments, like all this stuff. And it's just like, just stop. Like teams will figure it out. I think it's already a very unnatural against hockey like situation to put them in three on three full ice. And now you're going to even further restrict the thing. Like the whole purpose of hockey is that it is a free flowing game where anything goes with very minimal restrictions in terms of offsides and icings. Like now shot clock, all this, I just, when does it stop? Yeah, I think broadly I'm with you. This, this strikes me as a solution without a problem. Like I don't, mind three on three hockey the way it's currently played like i get that it is a bit of a weird way to finish a game because it is so unlike what the rest of the game has been like but for me it's preferable to a shootout by a massive degree and the idea of guys whirling the puck out back into the neutral zone like you sometimes you see that in the course of a real game too if an attack is broken down or they're doing a change or something like that like it isn't some crazy thing that you couldn't possibly conceive of and realistically, like I get it. There's an idea that these guys are carrying the puck for too long and somehow that's boring. But for me, that kind of builds suspense. It's like, okay, they're carrying, they're carrying, they're possessing, they're wheeling, they're passing. When's the opportunity going to come? And when it comes, there's a million ways for the puck to go back the other way. Like a goalie can make a save. A guy can blow a pass. Like a stick check can happen. It's not like when so- like they win the faceoff. And yes, sometimes they have the puck for a minute, but they don't normally have the puck for five minutes. You know what I mean? Like a team gets an opportunity and then the other team finds a way to get the puck and gets an opportunity too. I guess there are some cases where a team wins the faceoff and and scores and wins quickly but like we're talking about a tiny tiny fraction it again it just yeah. strikes me as something people are getting worked up about that i don't see the issue like i i genuinely like three on three especially as a way to stop shootouts from happening maybe four on four is more pure hockey but it it is odd to me like the idea of having a shot clock is so much more offensive to me than the idea of someone wheeling the puck out of the offensive zone what is the percentage of games and fans that where it goes to a shootout and you sit there as a viewer and go, Oh, thank God. Like that, that overtime was terrible. Like, I'm just so happy that we're now going to the shootout like zero, like history of all time, 0%. I, and like- when- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mint mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before the year, they asked players about what rules they want to see changed, and a huge number of them say they don't like the shootout and they want to figure out ways to avoid shootouts. Yeah. And so it seems like that's the problem that we should be examining and potentially addressing, not the part before the shootout that most people maybe have the occasional complaint with, but are broadly okay with it. I don't know. Like so many people would be happy if you extended overtime. And I don't know what constituency this idea is going to appeal to. You know, pretty clear basketball is it's half court, half court, you know, like there's a very clear offense and defense by and large football is stop and start. Baseball is stop and start. However you want to describe hitter after hitter situations but hockey is the only major North American sport that has this free flowing kind of game you can I guess put soccer in that category too I don't think soccer is sitting there by and large going should we you know have players stop passing it back to the goalie during gameplay and should we have players you know get the ball off their foot a little bit faster to expedite things like like it's almost like how do we coerce them into making more mistakes to make this like fake exciting because that's what it is right like players in the nhl loop out of the zone because they're in a tight spot and they're like you know what risk reward i'd rather just pull out and regroup and, and start again than force this play like where i have to try to put it through someone's legs or toe drag someone because they've angled me off or whatever the case is or they've ran out of space so they pull the puck out of the zone so this like fake way of potentially getting guys to make mistakes to create offense, which is already fake because it's three on three, but now it's going to be even more fake because we're forcing them to do it. I just, it's, it's just bad. Like I, it's just, it's so bad. Yeah. It's, like, like you said, you're avoiding this. So like, let's play it out, right? Like, let's say you, you gain the zone and you can't come back. Like what happens then chances are, is you're going to have more attempts on net quickly, which means the other team has, is more likely to bring the puck the other way. You're going to, in theory, have more rushes back and forth. First of all, there's plenty of rushes back and forth in three on three hockey yeah. as you watch it today. Like that isn't someone's not going to watch five minutes overtime. And be like, man, there were no rushes out there. Like they, it happens enough as it is. And secondly, like, again, I, and maybe it is because I am a fan of some of the other sports that are a little bit more stop and start a little bit more suspense driven, but I enjoy the suspense of one team building possession, building possession, looking for the right opportunity and then striking kind of rapidly. Like that is cool to me. And maybe that's not cool to other people. That's fine. That's subjective. But the idea that just like chaotic runs back and forth across the ice is better to, than that doesn't seem definitively true to me and doesn't seem like something people are calling for. Here's what I would tell players to do if this were to pass. And I'd be like, if you're in trouble in the offensive zone, if the stupid shot clock is going off, shoot it over the glass. It's not a penalty. I'd be like, you know what? Screw that. I'm not going to like, don't force a shot. Don't force a play. Just flick it over the glass. You're in the NHL. Get a face off. The watchword has been unintended consequences. Like they mentioned that multiple times when they talked about this discussion, that's exactly the sort of thing they're talking about. And when you're looking for maybe a tiny marginal upgrade and you're opening the door to all these unintended consequences, 
you're probably not doing the right thing. Anthony, I think the time has come to talk about my Stanley Cup pick. The the New York Rangers, who currently, as we record, have the second best record in the NHL, at least by points percentage, just behind the Boston Bruins. They have sort of a lot of statistical similarities with the Bruins, actually, in terms of being solid from a goal scoring perspective, but not incredible and just, you know, keeping the puck out of their own net at a really, really strong rate, which is sort of what you expect from the Rangers, given the defense and the goaltending that they have. I think the difference that a lot of people have seen early on this year is you've seen, you know, you see Panarin, I don't know, even taking it to a little bit of another level, but Alexis Lafreniere, you're finally getting a little glimpse of what him, you know, getting those minutes alongside elite players, having that big role, like pushing his career ahead. Cause it, you know, again, he's been too young for people to give up on him and too talented, but it seems like he'd been a little bit stalled out in a supporting role from which he could only do so much. And now he's unleashed a little bit and that's having people pretty encouraged about what this offense can do and how they're performing, even without Adam Fox right now, who's dealing with an injury. Anthony, what are you seeing with, uh, with New York at the moment? Well, I mean, they obviously have a lot of talent and I think where that primarily shines is special teams. Like they have the second best power play in the league so far their penalty kill has also been excellent. It's sixth. You know, they haven't even, Shesterkin's been good so far, but he's, you know, the Rangers as a whole are only like 13th and five on five save percentage. So I think he has a whole other level. I, I still, by and large, think he's the best goalie in the league right now. So, you know, you mentioned Adam Fox is missing. Philip Heedle has only also played 10 of 14 games. The big question for the Rangers coming into the season for me was whether their young players could finally take a step, right? Like there's been so much talk about having, especially New York, they drafted these players because they, you know, especially Lafreniere, they won the lottery big that year to move up. And so this highly touted player came into a situation full of veterans that were trying to win right now. And he kind of had to conform down the lineup as opposed to, you know, fellow draft classmate Tim Stutzla, who came into a pretty bad team where he kind of just got to work through issues and then has since blossomed into this game breaker. So, you know, a little bit of the nature versus nurture argument there. And so the thing for me with the Rangers this season was new coach, can they finally get a little bit more from the young guys? And we're starting to kind of see it a little bit, Lafreniere in particular, He's at 11.7 goals. Like his career high is only 39 points, which is very, very little. So him finally taking that step, I think would be a big deal. Capocacco has not at all. Uh, like he hasn't Absolutely produced. not. He's got two but, points, I think, as he records yeah, right now. He does, which is honestly, it's stunning. I actually would have tabbed him a little bit more likely to produce this year compared to Lafreniere. But it's funny when the Rangers went to the conference finals a couple of years ago, I thought Lafreniere was excellent that playoffs like that kid line emerged and I thought he was just a wrecking ball of a force, not necessarily just the production, but in terms of um, how he threw his weight around, how he created turnovers, how he created energy. Like he very much looked to me like a guy who's starting to figure out the league. And then last year, it just, it didn't come together the way everyone had hoped. But now that we're finally starting to see it, I, you know, I think the Rangers, I think the Rangers are a real, real problem in the East. 
Yeah, and I don't want to dispute that again, especially with them being my Stanley Cup pick. I don't want to under, don't want to cut them out at the knees. There are a couple things that stand to out. To confirm, are they your Cup pick? Just want to confirm. Yeah, just we'll just lock that in okay. now. Yeah. Um, okay. Now there are a couple things, right? Like they are a team, as you said, has been very special teams driven in terms of their success. When you talk about their five on five numbers, actually below water on expected goals, like their shots are pretty much even. That makes you a little bit nervous because you and they've had power play success in the past and they have the goaltending in particular to have penalty killing success. So those units should remain strong. But whenever you have a team that's really reliant on that, that can make you a little bit nervous. There's some performances like Jonathan Quick has been insane. Like, you know, this guy's looked washed for almost half a decade now. And then he comes out and he's been incredible. Now, I know that there's room for Shesterkin to be better. That would help mitigate Quick coming back to earth. But I still think there's a little bit there that's been if he like Lafreniere is a really interesting case because I do think it's a, a massive thing that they're moving him up, that they're playing him with Panarin consistently, like an amazing playmaker for a scorer to grow alongside. And that's something they really hadn't committed to over the few, last few years. Like they've done it occasionally. Now it looks like they're committed to it. But you're still talking about a guy who has a record as 24 shots scored on seven of them, like less than two shots a game. It's not like he's creating at this massive level that makes you 100% sure this next step is here. I'm interested in what I've seen so far. Like it, He is someone who is making a difference at this particular moment, but you want to see that continue before you say, okay, he has done it. Uh, you know, And part of the reason I like this team coming into the season was, yeah, again, those young guys taking a step. Lafreniere looks like it potentially, but we, I don't, I think it's too early to say for sure. Capo Caco, absolutely nothing. Like maybe it's time to teach this guy to penalty kill. Like it's, it's kind of pretty. And like you said, coming into the season, he was coming off a better year. Like he looked like yeah. someone who might've been more poised to do some damage, to take the step. And so, you know, Adam Fox, Again, like his injury doesn't seem that bad, but whenever you have injuries early in the year, like you have things recurring, like he's so central to what they do. I Yeah, I'm poking holes in a team that has played very well, has achieved a lot, and we thought was good coming into the year. So it's not as if I'm saying this team is absolutely trash, but there are sort of a few red flags lingering around the sides. Like I love this team's top six. I love this team's top four defensemen. The bottom half of this lineup is, you know, that's true to some extent with a lot of teams, but the bottom half of the lineup doesn't impress me compared to some other contenders. I think that this is the type of team that probably wants to think about making some trades at the deadline and like bolstering that part of the roster. We'll see what happens. We talked earlier in the show about the Flames and uh, all the players they've got going. Probably not like a Lindholm landing spot, but, you know, one of the defensemen would look good on this team's third pair and special teams. There's a lot that can go right for this team and they're absolutely in the mix, but I don't think it's one of those scenarios like, you know, the way the Golden Knights came out where, you know, they won the cup and they came out and you're like, oh, they asserted that they were every bit as good as they looked in the playoffs. I'm not quite there with the Rangers. They always looked like a team that was in that tier with potential to move forward. And that's still where I'd place them. I don't, I don't think that they've done something yet that makes me confident. Like, Oh, this team is way better than I thought they were coming into the year. That's fair. And I mean, we'd be remiss to not mention that Panarin has just started the season on an absolute heater. Like he has 24 points already. Yeah. Like, like he's come out with something to prove. He did not have the playoff that everyone expected of him. He definitely heard it. Uh, He's definitely come out with a little bit extra pep to step. Every time he touches the puck right now, it just looks dangerous. Like you're, you know, a little bit antsy on the edge of your seat, like something might happen at any point. 
that free flowing hockey we'd like to keep instead of a shot clock. And uh, so, you know, kudos to him. I also think it's worth mentioning Peter Laviolette and his career has been an excellent year one coach and an excellent in general early on coach. So, you know, he first started with the Islanders. They went to the playoffs back to back years and won heck of a series against the Leafs he got hired by Carolina mid-season but his first full season in Carolina coming out of the lockout they won the Stanley Cup his first full season or his first season in Philly they went to the Stanley Cup final they lost in the second round the following two years Nashville they went to the first round but year three they went to the Stanley Cup finals like you know Washington that he did go to back-to-back playoffs the first two years there by and large he's He's been fairly successful early on. Some coaches are really good at at coming in and he's coached with quite a few teams now. So that's kind of become, I guess, his MO, but he can come in and, and give you a little something. I think to some of the pieces you were mentioning in terms of Calgary and whatnot, I'm not going to go, you know, a full roster breakdown of who I think that they should look to acquire, but I will say, I didn't think that last year they, they hit the right notes at the deadline. You know, they they brought in Kane, they brought in Tarasenko, and I watched them a ton after that. I mean, obviously, I was very intrigued by them. I think everyone was. And it really, it really felt forced and shoehorned in terms of like their lineup deployment. I mean, just like Kane was suddenly like leading the power play on the half wall. And I'm watching like Adam Fox and Panarin kind of sit there like, what? And, you know, so I, I would need to see like they do need to add a little bit, obviously, like pretty much every team does like he like only Vegas could pretty much competently sit there and say, like, this is basically who we won the cup with last year. Like we're we're running it back and everyone would be like, all right. But even then, I would say they need to replace Riley Smith um, and they haven't done that yet. But like the Rangers do need to do something. I'm curious to see what exactly that is and if they hit the right notes this time. But I'm I'm encouraged. Like, I mean. I think it's fair to say like we all thought they'd be good and they are good. But I haven't, I wouldn't say like they've gone up to like some elite tier status team for me just yet. But like I said, like they're a problem. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 